Hi, I'm Olivia, and I'm on a mission to break the silence of domestic violence and sexual assault. This production is brought to you by Bolton Refuge House, which is headquartered in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. At Bolton Refuge House, we believe everyone has the right to safety, dignity, respect, and self-determination. Today we are speaking to a woman who has fought long and hard to receive justice, and actually she's still fighting today. Because she's still battling justice, we will change her name to maintain her privacy. On today's episode, we will call her Stacy. I always am curious on how people met their significant others, so I asked Stacy how did she meet her ex and about the beginning of their relationship. We met through friends. Our friends wanted to set us up on a blind date, so they brought us into a bar one night when um, we were both out, and they introduced us, and he was a little too drunk to talk to me that day. So he texted me the next day and <laughs> wanted to hang out, so we met up at the same bar and we played pool with two of our friends. And I ended up going home with him that night, and from that day forward, we were together every day for almost three years. Now I want to take a moment and analyze with you what Stacy is telling us. If you've kept up with our episodes and you listened to the episode about Alicia Sidey's murder, Tracy, Alicia Sidey's younger sister, told us that one of the huge red flags is if you meet someone and they are so over the moon, crazy in love with you, and you are not able to leave and you're inseparable, that could be a major red flag. Well, the first year, or a little over a year, was wonderful. It was perfect. He never put his hands on me. He never yelled at me. We were together every single day from the time he got home from work till the time he went to work the next morning. Um, I lived at with him, and, I mean, we were inseparable. It, there wasn't anything we would do without the other one. And um, at about a year and a half, he met my other daughter, um, and they hit it off, and they were, you know, best of friends. Shortly after that, I got pregnant, so. As Stacy was telling me about her relationship with her ex and how it was rainbows and butterflies for the first year, year and a half, I started wondering, when did things get physical and violent? He started getting physical a little bit after the year and a half mark. Um, and at first, it was just when we were, like, drinking, and it was more of like a jealousy thing over certain things or like if I didn't do what he wanted me to. He was very controlling after a while. Like I wasn't supposed to have friends. I wasn't supposed to go anywhere without him. He wanted me to drive with him to work and sit at his job all day unless I was working. And if he was out of town working and I wasn't working, he wanted me to drive out of town with him and stay there the whole time couldn't be away from me. We had to talk all the time. We had to message all the time. He had to know when and where I was doing everything. He would even drive past my job to make sure I wasn't lying about being at work. Okay, so I do want to jump back in and kind of reanalyze this. If you are in a relationship like this, this is a huge red flag. Healthy relationships have, you, you have your own space. You have your own time to where you can be alone. You can hang out with your friends. If this is happening to you and you're unsure of what to do, I just want to encourage you to talk to someone. And if you're not sure who to talk to, you can always call Bolton Refuge House. 
Bolton Refuge House is open 24 hours, 7 days a week, and it's 100% confidential. Bolton Refuge House creates a safe space through programs and services for all persons impacted by domestic violence, intimate partner violence, and sexual assault, and advocates for social change. That number is 715-834-9578. Okay, let's jump back into the story. Things started to get really rocky because I have previous bad experiences with my kids getting sick and whatnot, and, and so I'm very overprotective of her, and I wouldn't leave her side, and I wouldn't let him go wherever he wanted with her, and I wouldn't, you know, let his family tell me what I could and couldn't do with my child, and um, so it started arguments, and he started drinking a lot, and that started more arguments because it was like he was always drunk. And I didn't like that because I'm not going to let you care for our child when you're drunk. You could drop the child. You could hurt her on accident. Like, there are so many outcomes that could happen. And so it started causing fights. And we started getting in these big blowouts. And then he would scream and rant and rave and yell in front of her and fight with me. In the I asked Stacy why did she choose to stay in the relationship, even though she knew there was violence going on. I fell really hard for him. At first, I was trying not to, and like in the beginning, we're like, oh, we're not a couple yet, but we're hanging out all the time and pretty much living together. But I mean, when we both started falling for each other, it was hard and fast. And it was like, I had, I've never, I've been married, but I've never loved anyone as much as I love him. <laughs> Nobody. Like, he's almost up there at my kids' level, but no, nobody reaches that level. So, I mean, I, I will always love him, and I don't think I'll ever get over him, but I, I mean, I worshiped the ground he walked on. I did anything he wanted me to do, and the thought of losing him, like, I would not, I probably would still be in it had he not done what he did in front of our child. Like, had our child not been involved in the physical or the verbal abuse, I probably would have continued to deal with it because I loved him and I didn't want to lose him. I asked Stacy if the police department was ever called during any of their domestic disputes. But first, I'd like to take this moment to tell you all that Allie Rudd Financial Services has sponsored today's episode. Without Allie Rudd Financial Services in Mondovia, Wisconsin, today's episode would not be possible. If you live in Wisconsin and are in need of financial services, please head over to Allie Rudd Financial Services. So the police department was called um, the first time for the altercation when she was seven weeks old um, because I had left about two weeks before that when she was five weeks old because of the physical and emotional abuse. Um, so when she was seven weeks old, we had worked out a 50-50 schedule, and I, it was his day to come get her, and he came there, and the minute he got out of the car, he was cursing at me, calling me every name in the book, yelling at me, telling me I was an unfit mother, he was going to take her from me, everything else, and so my friend came outside and told him that it was unnecessary to be talking to me in that way, and he went, like, lunged at her like he was going to do something, and his mother grabbed his arm and said, don't do that, they don't need anything else to use against you. So I looked at him and I said, no, you're not taking our daughter when you're like this. I don't approve of you being angry or anything in front of her. I said, so until you can calm down and act like an adult and be cordial, you're not taking her. 
So he shoved me up against the house by my face with both hands while I was holding the baby. Um, and his mom came and pushed him back and snatched the baby out of my arms and went and put her in the car. He held me on the deck till he, she had her in the car seat and then they left with her. I told them when they were leaving, if they left with her, I was calling the police because they had no right to take her from me. Um, they left anyways. He called me and he yelled at me over the phone and said, I hope you're happy. We're over for good. It's all your fault because you have to be like this. I said, no, you're the one that brought this on yourself. You can't act like an adult or be cordial with me or act right in front of our child. And I said, I ever have already voiced my opinions on that and I'm not a allowing it. So then I called the police and he continued to head towards his parents' house. Um, the police came and I reported it. They then advised me that both him and his mother were both going to be arrested for kidnapping her from me because there was no legal right for them to take her. Um, it took five and a half hours for them to reach them, get to them, and take the baby back um, and arrest both of them. I had to meet them that night and at the courthouse um, to retrieve my daughter from them. Um, they had both of them in different squad cars and they asked me if I wanted a 72 hour no contact. I said yes because I didn't know when he would be released or how he would be when he got out. So they put the 72 hour on and he went to jail for two days. Um, both of them did and then they got out on a bond. Well, when before they got out on a bond, I filed paperwork for the domestic abuse restraining order because I was scared of what his next actions were going to be because I had just gotten him locked up. So we went to court um, for the domestic abuse restraining order. Um, I explained to the judge all of the different times there's been physical or emotional abuse. I explained my fears of his irrational behaviors and him trying to take our daughter from me or hurt me again um, and the judge sided with me and put a four-year restraining order on him well then he was bad-mouthing me to people and starting all of these rumors and so I had messaged him to request him to stop and to just leave me alone and he then went to the courthouse and filed a harassment restraining order on me and the judicial system gave it to him because they said that usually when one gets a restraining order it's just easier for them both to have it because by me asking him to not badmouth me to people I was luring him in to try and get him arrested which was not the case at all I was trying to get him to leave my name out of his mouth and it didn't work so that backfired and we tried to de novo it and the judge pretty much told him he was a piece of scum and that I should stay as far away from him as I could and I did for quite a while until we went through more of the custody proceedings where the judge pretty much told me that um, in this state they they want you both parents to have custody they don't want to take custody and just give it to one parent because they feel that both parents are needed so they then sent me to mediation with him which was the beginning of the next large blowout between us because with us not talking at least we couldn't get lovey-dovey and have feelings and then get back into the same scenario where we could end up fighting again and I could get hurt or the baby could get hurt so we went to mediation and then we agreed that I would supervise his visitation in mediation 
um, at his house and in public places. So we started doing that and then it became more of, oh, I want to be a family. Oh, I want this. I'm so sorry. I won't do it again. Everything you, you want to hear from the person that you love that has just hurt you. And so we tried it for a couple months and it was going somewhat okay. And then one day he just blew off the handle again only this time he was out for vengeance he really wanted to hurt me this time he threw me to the ground three separate times was punching me was kicking me with steel toe boots in the head and the face all over my body in front of our daughter who was sitting in a crib screaming her head off because he was hurting her mom and when I finally got him off me the third time I ran out of the house and I called his parents and I begged them to come there just so they could get him to leave so I could leave with, with the baby. Um, and so they came and they got him to leave and I was able to get her and get our stuff and get out. Um, but I had to go to the ER that night after I dropped her off to her uncle and aunt. Um, and when I went to the ER they called the police again. Although I have multiple friends that said if I hadn't called or had them call they would have called it in. Um, and I got laid off of work because of the injuries, so I no longer had my great job that was paying all my bills and supporting my child. And once again, he went back to jail again. And the state um, threw the no contact back on me and our daughter because they realized, I guess, that it wasn't safe for him to be around us. He tried apologizing the next day and telling me that he was sorry he was a bad person and he was sorry he hurt me. He begged me to please not make him live without us and then made comments about suicide and tried to, you know, manipulate me into feeling bad for him so that he could get out of the trouble he had just gotten into again. It was less than a week after he signed probation for the first instances, so now it's just that he's he's sitting in jail until he goes to sentencing court and um, I'm really hoping the judicial system holds up their end of the bargain and really teaches him a lesson this time because if they just slap him on the wrist he'll be right back out to do it again to me. I know he will. He's not going to stay away. He believes the restraining order is nothing but a piece of paper. So trying to teach somebody a lesson that doesn't see any error in their ways doesn't happen unless they have to sit for quite a long time to realize what they've done is really wrong and they can't keep doing that. Yeah. Because he could he could potentially kill somebody if mm -hmm. he did that. I mean, I was really lucky he didn't kick me in my temple because he'd have killed me mm -hmm. with the steel toe boots on. So when was the first time that you contacted Bolton Refuge House and how did you hear from us? Um, I contacted Bolton Refuge right after um, the first instance. They gave me information on it, the police did, and so did my victim witness lady. And um, I really didn't know, I mean I know a bit about court because, you know, of my upbringing and whatnot, but I didn't know anything about this because I never, like went after my ex who was abusive 
Um, so this was all new to me, and they told me there was an advocate that would help me at Bolton. So I contacted Bolton, and I got started working with um, the advocate and started learning all of the ins and outs of the judicial system and all the fair things and the not fair things. Because honestly, it's mainly about the person who's the abuser, the one that's in trouble. The, the judicial system isn't looking out for the victims, really. You and what ways, what makes you feel that way? Because you, as the victim, you, you have to fight for everything. They're innocent until proven guilty. So your job is to sit there and fight and prove that they did all of this to you. Even if you have marks, even if you have witnesses, you still have to sit there and fight for every little thing because they don't... They're not proven guilty until you make them believe that they are really guilty. Like, you have to prove that to them. Mm -hmm. And so it's all about, like, and they can get an attorney. The victim doesn't get an attorney. So they get all of these helpers and all of these things. And the victim's standing there hurt and confused and scared and alone. And you're the one that's fighting for every single thing that you are trying to get and it's really not fair because I can understand why these women stay because it's a lot of work and it's scary the whole time I'm scared to death to see him again hasn't happened yet but it's going to very very soon so I mean I I just wish that the judicial system could look at it from the point of view of the women and men that are getting abused that are having to go through this with their kids or by themselves or however that we're the ones that need the help. We're the ones that need the support. We shouldn't have to go and learn from an advocate and try and, you know, fight an attorney in a courtroom because we, we don't have an attorney, so we're fighting for ourselves at this point, and yet the court doesn't see any error in their ways. As I was talking to Stacy, I could sense that she was frustrated with the judicial system. So I asked Stacy if she would be willing to share with us today her biggest frustration that she has with the judicial system. My biggest frustration is that there have been so many deaths of children and women and men due to this and the judicial system still has done nothing to change any of it. So they're pretty much condoning the behavior and by slapping on the wrist they're condoning it even more and then they're saying well you know it's your job to figure out how to support your child and you even though you just got injured because of somebody else it's your job to figure all that out and it's your job to try and fight everything in court and be there and everything else when in reality you would think that they would be looking out for the better good of especially the children in these cases and instead, look at how many people died last year. Almost a, with the kids and the women and men, over 100 people died last year due to domestic violence. In the state of Wisconsin. Yeah, just in the state. And that is horrible. We keep going like this, it's only going to get worse and worse. So and what would you like to see change? I would like the bill to be passed on victims getting an attorney, first of all. And then I would also like... Um, the laws to be changed on the fact that they are not always innocent until proven guilty. If there is without a doubt in in the proof right there and there's witnesses and there's evidence to everything, why should the victim be pulled into court all of the time and have to look at their abuser straight in the face and argue for the things that 
the safety that they need for them and their kid. That isn't fair. And honestly, there should be more programs out there for people who, like, there's, there's a crime victim comp thing, but it's so hard to get it going that it takes forever. I mean, if it weren't for my family, I would not be where I am right now because there, there'd be no way for me to, you know, make it with no money, losing my job and everything else. And then, you know, having to support a child who, you know, I'm supposed to get child support for, but he won't pay because he's mad that he's sitting in a jail cell. Well, it's your fault you're sitting in a jail cell. And I also would like the, the state to start making it like where batterers have to go to classes and there has to be counseling and stuff because just the one little test that they run... It says he was a low risk to reoffend. He reoffended less than a week after his probation signing. So I do want to take a moment and just explain to you what Stacy is talking about. In the state of Wisconsin, if someone is an offender, they have to take this test and there's no supervised visits unless CPS is involved. And CPS is only involved if the child is itself the child itself is being abused the other thing that stacy is talking about is that the state of wisconsin does not mandate anger management classes or any rehabilitation classes to abusers that have been criminally charged with domestic violence charges so obviously that test doesn't tell you anything they can lie their way through it and then what they get out and the court's like oh you got to be co-parents together oh why so that we can get hurt again because that's what you're signing us up for if you don't have cps involved in your life there's nobody that can supervise the visits unless there's somebody you both can agree on so whereas he used this strategically because he knew that if he didn't agree to anyone then i had to do it so that was his way back in and he knew that. He knew that the day he came into mediation because he was nice, he was smiley, he was right back to the man that I fell in love with at first sight. I mean, and so he used it strategically. He wouldn't agree on anyone else as a supervisor, so I had to agree to try it. And I did. And like I said, I tried as hard as I could, and we played along, and we did the whole thing, but then it turned into more of we're a family. I want you to do what I want you to do. You can't have friends. You can't do this. You can't take her here you're going to do what I tell you to, or you're going to be miserable. And I, I mean, I played along and I tried it because everyone wants the other parent, the child to have the other parent. No woman really, or man wants to take away the mother or father from the child because it's not fair to the kid. The kid isn't the one in the fight. It's the mom and the dad. So for me, it was really hard because as much as I wanted him to be a father and wanted him in her life, there's only so many times you can get slapped around and be locked up in a house all day long and not allowed to go anywhere or have friends or talk to anyone. I mean, if I set my phone down upside down, I was hiding something, even though there's no lock on my phone. it's You just swipe it and it's open. So it's just that it was like you couldn't do anything right. I mean, even when I was working and I'd still be doing visits, I'd get there and he'd want me to help him clean his his house while he was visiting with her or do his laundry 
or you know watch a movie with me after she went to bed and it was like it was all strategic for him it was kept right back where we were so that he had control once again were there um any services that you would recommend for anyone to contact that um, did that you felt like did help you out i recommend the family support centers and bolton houses um i also recommend your um like food pantries and stuff because they will help you with needs for your children and you um I definitely recommend that if you go through something like this, you also join some support groups or go to some counseling. I have not done that yet, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to. It I know it takes a lot of like st strength and like I know you're scared to go talk about it with people, but the only way you're going to get past it is to talk about it. You can hold it in all you want, but it's just going to eat you alive. Mm -hmm. I've learned it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And do you have any advice to anyone? My advice to all of you out there, man, female, anything, is do not put up with anything. Do not lower yourself down to make yourself think that you're not worth being treated like a king or a queen because you are. It doesn't matter what they say or how badly they break you down for however long. They are wrong and they are sick in the head and they need help. And the only way they're going to get that help is if you force them to. If you ask them to, they may say they will, and they may be good for a little while, but it's not going to last, and it's going to continue. Once it starts, it's never going to stop unless you put a stop to it. I know it's hard to leave someone when you love them because I still love him, and I think I always will, but he needs to learn that this is not how you act, and he needs to learn that this is not how our daughter will be raised, and if he wants to be a part of her life, then he needs to go get the help that he has to get and he needs to work through his issues and realize that women and men are equal there is no hi i'm better than you or anything else that's just them playing mind games with you trying to make you feel little because that's how they get power over you so don't give them any power don't give in to them don't make don't think you're less than you are because you're not you're a good mom or dad and you can do anything for your children you just have to make sure you're always thinking about what's best for your kids and yourself I want to give a special thanks to Stacy for being so strong and courageous and telling her story today, even though she's still fighting for justice. If you or someone you know is affected by intimate partner domestic violence or sexual assault, I want to strongly encourage you to give us a call. We have trained advocates ready to help you 24 hours, 7 days a week, and it's 100% confidential. That number is 715-834-9578. If you are looking for ways that you can help Bolton Refuge House, you can contact our director. Her email is director at boltonrefuge.org. I want to ask you of a huge favor. If you could go on Apple Podcasts and give us a rating and leave us a review, that would really help us out. It would also really help us out if you sent this podcast to your family, friends, and neighbors and let people know that there is this resource that can help people through domestic violence and sexual assault. And together, we can break the silence of domestic violence and sexual assault. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Olivia.